composing the mind, Pachubana Dhamma, here and now, the Pali, the Pachubana is now present. So the Akalika, timeless, antitiko, akaliko, apparent here and now, reflect on the Dhamma. Ehi pasko panaiko bhajitang vaitida po vinuhi. So composing, bringing attention. So that we're not just, you know, attaching to a, an idea of here and now, but opening. There's a difference between, you know, holding on to concepts and and uh, trusting in just the immediacy, the reality of this present moment. And say the way it is, is uh, reflective use of language, it's not saying it's any which way or what should or shouldn't be, just it's this way, the way it is. And the Pali Dattada, they have a word for this. In English it's it's a little more complicated. The way it is, as is, suchness, these are kind of English translations. But it doesn't matter how, you know, accurate the translations are as long as they do the job and and bring us, uh, you know, encourage us to pay attention, be in that state of poised attention. And then listening is uh, the the advantage of of using uh, this listening because you know with sight uh, when we uh, use sight as our means then we tend to you know when we when we're in the dark or our eyes are shut it tends to be uh, like sense of having shut off something where listening it seems to be an ongoing experience whether it's in the dark to yourself listening to yourself think listening when you're alone in a group so to me that the the use of uh, of the listening or sound But what I'm really pointing to is not so much of just listening to sound or the the ear faculty, but of just the conveying that sense of presence, centering, being here and now. <coughs> In the Mahayana symbol, Avalokiteshvara, the 
bodhisattva that listens to the sounds of the universe. Then the sound generally is, is arising and ceasing. So we, when we listen to like the bird singing or to my voice or to yourself thinking, then there's a there's a sound whether it's external or internal. It's uh, it tends to it's always about beginning and ending. But then the sound of silence is has has a is a continuous kind of stream that doesn't begin and end. So it it functions very much as uh, inf- infinite space, infinite consciousness, this, the, these words convey the, that where, where sound or sight or conditions arise and cease. There's a lot of confusion about consciousness in, because it, it is one of the five khandhas, the vijnana, so then we, and then in the Paticca Samuppada, if you if you logically deduct Paticca Samuppada just from the intellect, it tends to sound very annihilationist, especially the Niroda part. It sounds like everything ceases, consciousness ceases, Namarupa ceases, Salayatana ceases, uh, desire ceases, everything ceases. Uh, it, you know, in the in the in the way of thinking, you know, if you, if you just uh, apply that with, uh, just on the intellectual level, then it, it sounds, it always sounds to me like annihilationism. <coughs> but it's not meant to be, uh, doesn't, you know, that's kind of pointless if, if that's what it's saying. But, uh, the Naroda is is not kind of extinction of everything, but the uh, absence of arising. So, in notice, like with the sound of silence, the your attention to it comes and goes. You know, so you notice it and then forget it and that. But it's always, you know, it's always present here and now. And when when everything ceases, you know, when your thoughts cease, Im- your emotional uh, attachment cease, the sense of a self ceases. It's still, uh, what remains is this sound of silence. It's still ongoing. And so there's a tension in the sati and. Uh, which brings us to this sati. It brings us to this point of awareness, which is embraces everything. It's not a, it's not paying attention to one thing, but and and then just being caught in the momentum and movement of, of a, of a condition that arises and ceases. But it it's before the arising, during the, the. Uh, 
conditions existence and and the conditions ceases there's still the awareness sound of silence consciousness so this is just noticing this you know so that you're <coughs> you know it's a way of of observing not of of kind of figuring out dhamma on the intellectual level but using the the uh, the, the dhamma concepts the language the pali language that we use for investigating the reality of this moment So desire dunha arises and ceases. We aren't always, you know, desire isn't a, isn't something that we have all the time. We we may not notice when when we don't have desire. We, even a sense of self is is uh, we're so used to assuming that I am this person as an ongoing uh, conti- continuity in time. You know, there's the the, the self-view, the ego, and the sense of myself through memory, through perception, through uh, conditioning. Then that just assume that I'm the same person all the time, whether I'm asleep in my kuti or here or whatever. You know, and but when you when you uh, investigate self. You realize that it's it's uh, a rising and ceasing, it's a changing, adapting to a particular time, place, present situation. And when there's no self, when you know, then there's to recognize no self is like this. So that it's uh, just beginning to notice, so not just assume, you know, go along with the belief in no self, and and just be attached to the concept of anatta, but to use that word for what is anatta here and now, you know. Well, before you can actually recognize or realize anatta, you have to be quite certain about what you mean by atta or self. <coughs> so uh, it's not an annihilation, you know, a sense of trying to become nothing or nobody, but recognizing that self is, isn't what it seems to be. You know, the the problems of the world that we live in are all based on this delusion of self. So in the mind's composer's presence, sati, here and now, awareness, stillness is a background. Then the self arises. It's it's a memory, isn't it? The memory I am. This person. 
I am like this. I am a Buddhist monk. I am this uh, this way. And this is memory. It's sanya, sankara. Even the words I am is, is sanya, isn't it? Because awareness doesn't doesn't need to uh, have a language. It's not. It's not. It doesn't depend on language for its presence. So listening, I le- you know, I, sh- I used to really listen to myself, my ego, and uh, I found, you know, really to get to know this uh, when it's present, when it's not present, and it became apparent very quickly that that uh, you know, it, the ego arises and ceases. The sense of me as a separate personality is uh, very much a condition that comes and goes. And uh, it just, uh, because it depends on memory. I have to remember, I'm, I'm Ajahn Sumato. I'm this way, I feel like this. When in the midst of emotion, when we're being praised or blamed, isn't it? The ego really reacts. So somebody criticizes Ajahn Sumato, and then then I can see, you know, kinds of reactions to listening to someone say negative criticisms, and then then uh, the emotional reaction get defensive or offended argumentative, aggressive, combative, blaming. But that those conditions arise and cease also, isn't it? One isn't in a continuous state of, of being offended <coughs> by criticisms. But if if you don't know what the ego is, then we can we can just spend time just feeling resentment, grudges anger, feeling sorry for ourselves, feeling feeling lonely, misunderstood, not appreciated, unloved, and and become, you know, well in a world of, of this, the sense of myself is being uh, rejected, unloved, lonely, unappreciated. But these feelings, when you're aware, you know, they come and go and change. This is not, this, you know, unless you're determined to believe it and commit yourself to this way of thinking, this way of feeling, when you really trust in the awareness of these negative feelings, that awareness isn't offended. You can't offend awareness. 
you can't, you know, awareness doesn't get aggressive or, or defensive. Because awareness isn't isn't a memory; it's not something that depends on 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 memory. But it's when we say rem to reflect, to to bring into, to compose, to this, to remember awareness doesn't mean to to create awareness, but to take the cue of opening, being aware, rather than trying to become somebody who's aware. Mm. So this subject-object you know, when the ego, when you put the, your ego as the subject of your life experience, then, then you are a kind of uh, victim of circumstances. <coughs> so that, you know, how I personally interpret experience, my kind of um, karmic tendencies, attachments, habits, Affect, yeah, how I how I interpret the the things that are happening to me as a person. So the when we when we you know experience life through through the distortion of ego, then we are we're bound to suffer from from being a human being <coughs> because this is not a kind of heavenly realm. Uh, you know, a refined realm of just positive uh, qualities. This is a realm that is continuously changing <coughs> birth, death, presence, absence, praise and blame, happiness, suffering, success, failure. with the body, you know, being aware of the, how this body affects consciousness. In the West, we generally see the consciousness as a, as a kind of function of the brain. So we do have a kind of cultural uh, distortion that is more or less taken for granted in the Western society. <coughs> so consciousness is a and and, and uh, consciousness used to be defined as you know thinking. I remember, you know, psychologists saying that animals aren't conscious because they don't think. It was rather shocking when, when you're a Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> so consciousness has often has been limited to, in some way, there's changing now. Western psychology has changed a lot from that from that way of uh, defining consciousness. <coughs> but consciousness uh, then has this kind of, you know, when you, when there's awareness, 
then and consciousness is 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 uh, is operating naturally it's not a it's not uh, dependent on uh, you know other conditions it seems to have no boundary and so you do have in the immeasurable contemplation developing the arupa jhanas isn't it it's infinite space infinite consciousness nothing infinite nothingness neither perception or non-perception so these these are terms pointing to not not defining anything but pointing always at the present because infinite space is present here and now isn't it? I mean with just on the visual ability to to look to see you know through the eye that we can see the space <coughs> and space has no you know it ha has no boundary to it we put boundaries on like build the walls of the temple but but uh, space is not limited by the walls of this temple in terms of vision we that might we might stop because the you know, in terms of being able to see beyond the wall, but but there's also a knowing that space is, is that the wall is in space rather than the space the walls containing the space. So words like infinity, uh, this uh, sometimes in Theravada Buddhism they shy away from this because. Uh, it, it we want definitions or or things that we can actually you know um, prove in the, uh, through through pointing to it and through uh, defining it describing it and yet space is the is the obvious uh, reality that's here and now isn't it if there were no space we wouldn't be able to be in sit here in this temple if this were just solid bricks no space in the temple you know we just build it solid filled the whole space in the temple with bricks and cement what good <laughs> and and we built the temple so we could sit in this space you know protected from the elements so Space is is just uh, you know it's here and now it's everywhere, but we may not notice space because, like the ego, doesn't notice co being conscious. Ego is is it is a, is a created structure, a mental structure that goes on from one memory to the next. So it, it doesn't doesn't notice. It has no perspective on consciousness. So consciousness then is very much uh, like space is just filled with bricks. We just fill this temple with a lot of solid bricks, rocks, and cement. <coughs> or we fill our consciousness with endless thoughts, worries, problems, memories, fears, and desires. 
then there's no then there's, there's no con you know consciousness is operating it doesn't annihilate consciousness but we can't we we are so involved so blinded so caught into the 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 conditions that we we don't notice consciousness so in when the Buddha emphasized sati is the kind of that's the that is the gate to the deathless that is the where we can stop just being uh, caught in the in the momentum of habits out of ignorance as soon as we bring attention then there's then Consciousness is operating with attention rather than just being used by the ego, just an endless stream of thoughts and desires and feelings and habits. So this is a, a reflection, is noticing the way it is that the datada the as is the suchness. So in 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 uh, sati sampatanya, the sampatanya is bring you know this sense of everything of apperception of of uh, beyond just perceiving something where we're resting in a natural state of consciousness that includes consciousness, like space includes everything, doesn't it? It's, it will include the temple, the, the uh, dining hall, the whole monastery, Great Gaddiston, London, Birmingham, <laughs> space is, is, is not, you know, fussy. It doesn't favor one thing over another. Whatever goes into space is totally accepted by it. <coughs> Whether it's good or evil, right or wrong, beautiful or ugly. Consciousness is like that. It's it's not you know it's not it doesn't have preferences. And I'm only going to be. You know, I, if there's something ugly or unpleasant, I'm not going to receive it. But consciousness in, in this also is knowing. It's, uh, it's intelligent. So that we apply the, like sati is, is the gate to that kind of intelligence, the wisdom, to panya, sati panya. If we if we have no sati, if we don't develop sati, then we don't, you know, panya can't arise. We might be intelligent, be a clever, clever intellect that uh, has good memory that can manipulate the earth, fire, water, element, uh, and air elements according to our desires and wishes. It doesn't imply uh, that there's any wisdom in, the, in that process. 
we can create Frankenstein monsters, isn't it? The, the Frankenstein story, Mary Shelley's famous novel, is out of lack of wisdom, ego, curiosity, and create uh, uh, cleverness, intelligence, we create a monster that ends up chasing us. <coughs> so that's the kind of folk legend that describes modern Western society. <laughs> we create a technology, a kind of science that is destroying us, is chasing us now. Is dangerous, and we're frightened by what we, you know, by our own creation because it's out of control. Where sati is, uh, you know, if then the wisdom can, can operate. Universal. It's a universal. It's not, not some kind of cultural uh, asset that we have or they have in some particular culture. But the Buddha's teaching, like Four Noble Truths, is, is a wisdom teaching. It's not wisdom itself, just to be able to m memorize the Tamajaka Pavatana Sutta. It doesn't make you wise in the least. But it is a teaching for opening, for reflecting, for mindfulness. So it's a it's a tool, you know, an expedient means <coughs> that the uh, Buddha gave us to use for wisdom. So that wisdom can uh, be that, you know, wisdom can develop in the human individual if we if we follow the those kind of teachings, not. Not just in, not on the intellectual level, but on the practice side, the bhati bhata, and then the result of that practice. So you notice the form formulaic approach of, of uh, this is always, you know, it's it's to dukkha. There is, there is suffering, suffering should be understood, suffering has been understood. So this, 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 this is a reflective style in itself, isn't it? It's pointing to reflection, not towards analysis, not towards grasping the dukkha and then, and then analyzing the suffering as, a, as some kind of thing that's happening to me from uh, outside, or seeing, or, or saying that life is dukkha, as some kind of general philosophical uh, negative way of of um, discussing human experience. Dukkha is is a noble truth, so it's 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 to be understood. So the 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 second aspect of the first noble truth is put in that context of should be understood. Now what does that say? There's 
there, it do, there is dukkha. I'm not saying everything's dukkha. It's not a doctrine. But it's it's noticing. It's a dukkha. There is dukkha. You know, dukkha should be understood. And that's the batibata. In that, that's uh, practice. That's that's reflection. You know, you're 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 looking at at dukkha, not as if it was happening out there, but your you know the sense of lack or unhappiness or dis-ease or worry, grief, sorrow, despair, anguish, loneliness, being offended, not feeling appreciated or whatever, you know, or the dukkha of, you know, having a body. It's the pain, the, the, the pressures, the the continuous uh, impingement and demands made on us physical form that we have to live with. <coughs> so it should be understood is is what in the practice, Bhattipata and Bhattiweti is the result. Dukkha has been understood as the insight. So this 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 procedure is the it's a form it's the way that we can encourage reflection and so it's very different from analyzing where we we take a premise and then logically deduct from that you know with the intellect so it becomes just abstract and uh, you know and logical and reasonable this is this is intuitive aware. This is sati sampachanya, sati panya. It's a different way of, uh, you know, of, uh, this, this way of training the mind, of using it consciousness and experience is, you know, is, has not been developed in the West. You know, it's not, not been our way of education or, or even training ourselves you know, it's not be even been an option until fairly recently where where people have become interested in Buddha's teaching, beginning to see it as, some, as something practical to use rather than just an exotic religious philosophy. And the second noble truth, the, there is the origin. So this is the the cause of suffering is due to a, a desire and attachment, isn't it? So, and and so the 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 first the you know the of the three aspects is a state the statement. We call the Bariati Dhamma. It's a statement. Then that statement is, is should be let go of. The the uh, statement uh, the, uh, the 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 second the Bhati the the prescription for dealing with 
or insight into this is should be let go of. So attachment to desire is the is the cause of suffering. No, that's the Bariati statement. And the second aspect is should be let go of. So there's letting go. The practice, the Bhattibhata is to practice letting go of desire. <coughs> and then the result of practice is desire has been let go of. So, so this is uh, just, uh, even though I've said this many times, just re re-emphasizing the kind of um, brilliance of this, of, of just the way it's formulated, the way the Buddha formulated this Tamajaka Pavatana Sutta, this first sermon. So when people want to know what reflecting is, you know, that's uh, people wonder when, I, when we talk, I don't know how many people still don't quite get reflecting on the present. They think it's, it's thinking, and we think of thinking always in terms of logic and reason, analysis. If I think I'm suffering because, uh, you know, I start thinking, I, I'm suffering because I feel uh, lonely and, uh, and I feel uh, I'm not appreciated. And so I, I demand more appreciation and uh, in order, you know, from the world around me, I, it should, the world should accommodate me so that I don't feel these uh, these feelings. So we try to to you know create societies where where um, you know people feel they're free and and um, able to get what they want, what they need, uh, where there's justice and fairness and equality and and morality and goodness. Freedom is the is the big one in the for us, isn't it? To be free. <coughs> so no matter how much we we try to create societies in order to be free, you know, we we'll never really feel that free because of the basic delusion is still there. You know, if if if, if I'm this ego, that ego is never free. It's so conditioned, you know. It's so, it's such a strong habit and such a delusion that there's no way I'm going to free my ego or feel free through the ego, even if the world does uh, accommodate all my wishes and desires. I'm still stuck with the ego as the as this distortion that in that interprets the experience. So what is beyond the ego <coughs> is the awareness, isn't it? Awareness knows the ego. The ego can't know awareness. You know, so you say, what is awareness? And, and I want to find awareness. That's the ego, you know, trying to, conceiving awareness 
conceiving sati and then trying to find it. So that all is is a, a kind of mental creation, isn't it? But so the sati isn't isn't something that that you find. It's it's being present here and now. If I think I've got to make myself more aware, that very idea that I have to be more aware is 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 the ego again. I'm somebody who doesn't have enough awareness. I need to, to develop more awareness. Need to practice more so I can be more aware. That whole <coughs> way of thinking. Listen to it. You know that which is aware of yourself thinking. I should be more aware. That what you trust is the awareness, not the not the viewpoint about you being somebody who's not aware. So that's why in, in uh, using these, these terminologies like the be listening to yourself thinking, you know, the, all, my, all my views about practice, about myself, about Sangha, about Amravati, about Theravada Buddhism. I listen, listening to these views to my feelings, uh, the, the feelings that c generate from the ego, the sense of myself as a separate personality, that I can, I can notice. There's an, there's an awareness of that. And that awareness is not ego. So that's why I say you can trust it. It's not created. It's not a delusion. It's not. It's not something that uh, you know is is even Buddhist or. It's it's a natural state, natural. Without without awareness, we we would have died a long time ago. It, it's it's a absolute condition sine qua non for for survival. So awareness then is is not complicated or difficult, unless you try to think about it, and then you can make it into a big problem. But because thinking is complicated, so awareness isn't a thought, and it's just this. And in this, now li like listening, attentive listening to the sounds of the universe. It's kind of open to that, you know, not 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 trying to find a sound, but opening, a sense of receiving, opening, attention, attentiveness to the present. Then the the what they call the audible sound stream or the sound of sound, the different names, <laughs> but whatever it is, you know, people want to say, is it a sound? Is it a 
vibration? Is it the sound of your nerves in your ears? The, is it the sound of your blood moving through your veins? Uh, and you try to speculate about it, you know, as if wanting to, to find a cause for it, wanting to, to define it. And so there's various uh, opinions and views, but it doesn't. We don't need an opinion or view about it. It works if you if you'll use it, you know. For you know, it's uh, it's not trying to prove it. As, as, you know, make it into some kind of metaphysical reality or exaggerate it or or embellish it in any way. Just it's more it's the recognition. Noticing it is enough. And as you notice it, you know, and then the, it's noticeable if you, if you just relax and open when you try to find sound of silence because you, you've heard me talk about it, then it, it, you miss it. You know, like you're looking at, I say, look at the space and where's the space? And you look at the pillars and the roof and the shrine and the nuns and the monks and the carpet and the floor and the wall. Where's the space? I don't see any space. <laughs> it's right here. You know. <laughs> and, and if you're busy looking at everything that's in the space, you don't notice the space till you stop looking at everything in the, in the, in the hall and just open to the space. Simple as that. Just sit. And it's not an intellectual thing at all. You know, you can't. What, how do you describe space? Except spaciousness? Or <laughs> it is what it is. Is space pretty or ugly? Is it pleasant or painful? Is it. Is it good or bad? Is it uh, red or green? Is it male or female? Is it, you know, then, uh, then we, we're, we're uh, you know, we're, we're making it into, you know, we're getting caught up with ideas, with views, with concepts. But everything in this temple, isn't it, is in the space. So even when we look at the pillars, the pillars, well, if we, if we really look at the pillar and, and we, know, we begin to notice the space around the pillar, if we look at the shrine and just not kind of absorb into the shrine, kind of just focus and 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 concentrate on the shrine as a, as on one point. If we just look at the shrine, the shrine will take us to space too, because space is everywhere. So in the, the same with uh, in in the mind, in the in consciousness, you know, all thoughts, all emotions, all memories. Will take a will will allow us to recognize consciousness, not by not by holding on to the condition, but by letting go of the conditions, withdrawing 
our attachment attention to the condition to just be aware of consciousness unattached the reality of being conscious this resonating silence So you can see, like, because the human karma is one where we, we, we do have, you know, we're complicated creatures. You know, so we, we have um, this retentive memory, we have language, we're intelligent creatures, and we, and so we 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 we're, we're used to complexity. Oftentimes we're more at ease in complexity because that we can you know logic and reason and ordering things you know filing systems and and the way modern technology we can we can put everything into computers and websites and information ad infinitum can be ordered and programmed and generated. And this, you know, is, you know, humanity's very good at this. This, you know, at complexities. But simplicity not very many human beings appreciate that. They, they like the idea of it. The ideal of simplicity might be very attractive to an aesthete or some idealistic person when life should be simple and we and the kind of these kind of idealists that 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 like the idea of it but the reality of it if we just see it as some ideal let's get rid of all the technology let's ban computers laptops let's let's get rid of electricity Let's get rid of, you know, let's go back to natural state. And this is idealism again, isn't it? Seeing that, the, that uh, all, these, these, all these complexities are the cause of our suffering. But are they, you know, is that, or is the attachment, the upadana? So this word upadana in, in Pali, in Paticca Samupada, you know, means clinging, attachment. Identity with. So you you know you, I'm this body. You know this is this is my body. This is what I am. Ubandana is clinging to the body itself, identifying this body is mine. This is ubandana. So this this word is a good one to to remember in the Paticca Samuppada Danha desire and attachment. So out of ignorance, out of avicca, <coughs> not knowing the noble truths, in other words. So 
So avicca in Paticca Samuppada means not knowing the Four Noble Truths, the three aspects of each truth, the Twelve Insights. Now that sounds complicated, doesn't it? It's an interesting way, way of, uh, you know, presenting it. But it, this is, you know, this, this particular style is a reflective one. So it, it's not complicated, really. It's, 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 uh, it's a, a paradigm, or it's a, it's a, an expedient means the Buddha used to develop awareness, to recognize the awareness, to let go of the conditioned realm that we're so uh, kind of that we hold to, that we identify with, that we cling to and depend on. And that, and that will inevitably fail us. You know, the conditioned realm, no matter how good it is, in the end, is going to fail every one of us. All that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. One of our reflections, some of the Sanya reflections. <coughs> or telling the the millionaire, you can't take it with you, you know, when you die, you can't take your money with you. <laughs> Which is a truism, but, uh, but everything is going to fail, you know, in terms of uh, the conditioned realm. It's going to disappoint. So when we, you know, when we put all our faith in, in a system, in a society, in somebody else, in, in having security, wealth, position, even if, even if we get the best of these for our whole lives, at the end they fail us. We, what good is that when you're dying? <coughs> And if you don't know anything else, you know, dying is a, is a frightening experience because your whole sense of, of security is, is dependent on holding on to things. And you can't anymore. You have to, nature forces us to let go in the end. So in, in uh, meditation, it's, it's like die before you die is uh, letting go. Don't wait till you're, you're physically <laughs> dying. Letting go by seeing, not by an imperative, you know, a command that you should let go of everything, but, but noticing, like the Four Noble Truths is looking at suffering, noticing what, what it is, what dukkha is, understanding, desire, noticing, really really observing desire because desire is it can be seen as an object it's an aramana it's not ultimate reality it comes and goes and it's dependent on conditions dhanha upadana the desire rises we you know out of habit we cling to it out of ignorance we a desire for this and we we follow it and then the result is 
whatever we cling to, whatever we attach to, we become that. So this is to, you know, you can see yourself becoming, by clinging to anger, you become an angry person. You're reborn as, an, as, an, as anger. So, Pawachati in the Paticca Samuppada, the becoming and rebirth, takes us to Jaramaranang Sokapariteva Tumanasopayasa, grief, sorrow, lamentation, despair, death. So, I mean, this is the this this uh, Patija Samana of a Vicha not knowing, not having awakened, then then that that avicha when we always if as long as there's a vicha then the result of of everything, everything we attach to is going to take us to some form of suffering. To Sokaparitewa, Tukatomanasa Upayasa. <coughs> So if I if I start say a vicha, I am Ajahn Sumato, and uh, that's a vicha, and I'm firmly committed to being this. I'm an Ajahn. I'm a teacher. I'm a Chaukun. I am a Buddhist monk, and and this is this is my identity. I start from this non-question, thoroughly committed to being Ajahn Sumato, and then then that that affects everything, isn't it? And how I experience this moment. I'm Ajahn Sumato sitting here on this high seat. I'm a teacher. I'm the senior monk here. And I've done this and I've done that. Then then this is uh and this this Abhicha is going to affect everything, you know, everything that happens is going to be interpreted from I am Ajahn Sumato. So it affects, you know, consciousness and uh, and how my body language, the nama rupa salayatana pasa vedana dana ubadana bhava jati jaramarana sokaparite. So being ajahn sameto as an identity, as an attachment, is suffering. So the vicha is, is uh, you know, just if I if I if I always experience life through the ego through a vicha, then then there's always danger and fear and self-consciousness and anxiety, worry. Pursue that because I'm I'm ignorant and I'm attached to things that are very unstable and changing and dependent, and, and you can't, you know how. You can't control it all. You know, you end up being a control freak out of a vicha. You've got to, you've got to control everybody. You've got to use power and intimidation and fear, and and uh, you've got to be really selfish. You know, to make sure that I'm okay, that my ego is not going to be offended or upset, that I'm going to feel secure. 
and okay about everything. And making that demand on life, you know, become a tyrant. You know, just to be, you know, you know, after a while, it's just obsessive fear and paranoia taken to an extreme of, of, of uh, th identity with the uh, five khandhas. Or just, you know, if, if I don't have the power, then I become just neurotic and dependent on drugs and drink. Dependent on relationships, you know, de dependent on other people all the time to make me feel all right. <clears throat> so the, that avicca, if there's no avicca, so this is what, I'm, you know, my insight is as soon as there's sati, there's no avicca. So if I, if I live with sati sampachanya, if I if if I recognize the value of sati sampachanya through insight, then the, then there's no avicca. But in the Naroda side of paticca samuppada, you notice it's. Is when there is sati, no matter what we're clinging to, you know, no matter where we are with, with whatever we're identity is with, whatever we're attached to, when there's sati, then that, that is the, that stops the flow of of that 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 we're caught into through avicca. So you have this sankara nirodo, sankara niroda, vinyana nirodo, vinyana niroda, salayat namarupa nirodo, namarupa niroda, and so forth. The end of suffering. So the niroda side isn't an annihilation, is it? It's, it's through sati that, 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 that the process ceases. So in terms of... of uh, you know, investigation, the Four Noble Truths, then this is, uh, you know, we can't, how many of you, I couldn't start out from just pure awareness because the, the ego is very strong, very, you know, overwhelming. So I started from dukkha, from, from uh, investigating suffering, the First Noble Truths. And just taking those, those four noble truths, uh, so just n noticing, you know, in the beginning, when the, the second noble truth, the three kinds of desires, just uh, what is bhavadana? What is vipavadana? You know, and the definitions in the word of the Buddha aren't very helpful, actually, but. Because they tend to to make it's too intellectual, too uh, too abstract, you know. In terms of of bawadanha, uh, it's uh, you know I began to to notice the desire I had to to get rid of suffering, desire to attain, to achieve the jhanas, the desire to 
get the states, uh, desire for stream entry, desire for attainment and achievement in, in uh, you know, in, in being a meditator. Bhava Dunha, this, this incredible, because I'm, that's how my mind's conditioned. My ego is, a, is, a, is a based on the ideal of progress and attainment, proving myself, getting, working hard and getting a result from all that. Challenging myself, I'm going to get enlightened. I'm going to be the first American or <laughs> kind of absurd <laughs> ambition one might have generated in, in consciousness. But the but Bawa Danha is uh, it's not we're not trying to you know put it down but to recognize the Bawa Danha the, the reality of it. This pushiness, this desire always to that want something, wants to attain you know, maybe not sensual, like Gamadanha is quite obvious in the desire for sense, sense, sense pleasure, but Bhavadanha is quite subtle in many ways. I think, well, if I didn't have Bhavadanha, I wouldn't do anything. You know, it's this drive to succeed and get that, that makes me successful. If I don't have Bhavadanha, I just, you know, just wouldn't do anything, wouldn't bother. Why should I even bother meditate? Why become a monk? Why keep the Vinaya? Why do all that? It's just, you know, why not just open to the universal consciousness and, <laughs> and be happy, you know? Enjoy life. <coughs> why would you become a Bhikkhu and live in a forest monastery in northeast Thailand, you know. Be celibate. Why bother all with all that? You know, just mindfulness. But then mindfulness is the answer. Or you shouldn't even try to be mindful. Just open and enjoy life, the beauty of consciousness and these are these are ideals again, aren't they? Either this is being very idealistic. So the Buddha, I mean, these are rather beautiful ideals. I remember reading Cahill uh, Gibran's poems. You know, it sounds when I was in university, the prophet, just follow love wherever it takes you. I remember people would recite this. You know, back in the fifties, these kind of beautiful poems about love and giving yourself to love and following it with your heart. And, and it's very inspiring, kind of lovely ideas. But when there's ignorance, you know, what, what I found, you know, is I didn't even know what love was. So what I thought was love was just desire, really, and it took me into all kinds of difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so just following desire wherever it takes you. I mean, my desires would take me into really dangerous areas, I'll tell you. 
So, <laughs> so then uh, from the Berkeley, California experience to the forest monastery <laughs> in Ubon, like the opposite, you know, from everything in Berkeley, it was all just follow your desires, follow your love, experiences all, freedom, be free to experience, don't be afraid of anything, though very kind of appealing, especially when you're young. But the result was, I mean, because of avicca, ignorance, it was, it just was leading me into all kinds of, of areas that were increasingly more painful, disappointing, disillusioning. So, so then the going to live with Lung Po Cha, suddenly celibacy, your uh, all these kind of restrictions on food and and boundaries on everything and all kind of things uh, was quite difficult for me actually. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it uh, when, you've, when you've lived the other way, you, you really resent restriction. But I knew that this is what was necessary. So there was an awakening. You know, obviously what brought me into monastic life was was an intuitive sense. It wasn't rational at all. When people ask me, why do you want to become a Buddhist monk? I couldn't really explain it because it wasn't, I, it wasn't, I couldn't really justify it because uh, in the society that I lived in, it, it was considered, all these kind of restraints, restrictions, religion were all considered, you know, archaic and, and repressive and dangerous. You know, they just, you just, bottle up your feelings, you just suppress your desires and and you just, you know, because you're afraid of life, you're afraid to really open and experience the universal oneness so you go off and become a Buddhist monk and bind yourself to rules and rituals and conventions out of fear and, the, you know, I could easily get intimidated when people started talking to me like that <laughs> because on the level of the ego, it was uh, that's the way that Vicha worked. You know, it was idealistic. You know, I could appreciate it, just be free and open and loving, and that I certainly like that idea. Was nothing wrong with the idea, but <coughs> but uh, it, that wasn't the way I was experiencing life <coughs> because of the Vicha ignorance. So they. Limitation, you know, I could, and in, it was an intuition I had, really, something that that compelled me to become a Buddhist monk. That wasn't wasn't reason, wasn't like the ego wanting to become a Buddhist monk. But it was some. It was all I can explain is like an intuition, a sense that this would this was what I need to do. So. Then going to Thailand and seeing the opportunities that were available there was very was very thrilled by it. You see, it's a place where this is possible to do this. And then meeting a a good teacher was very fortunate. 
but the uh, but the then the avicca, you know, the ego, the sense of self, was always being challenged in living in the monastery, because I couldn't get my own way and do what I wanted to do, and and I had to conform, and I'm not, and I always was against conformity. You know, brought up in that style of the fifties where you're anti-conformist. You know, to just follow everybody, do what everybody else is doing was the sign of stupidity. If you're really intelligent, you 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 assert your individuality and do everything your own way was also, you know, my one of my ideals. Where in m- Buddhist monastic life it was all conformity. Learning to do everything like everyone else did it. <laughs> Uh, I used to resent it, you know. I felt suffocated and smothered and and oppressed for several years, in fact. <coughs> but the intuition, the insight that developed through the investigation of the noble truths, you know, that was... I caught on to that very quickly, the, the using the, this uh, Four Noble Truths for investigation. So then the, how did the avicca uh, comes in, I mean, not using avicca as my means anymore, my ego and, and my, uh, you know, asserting myself and, and uh, coming from the self as my modus operandi, I, uh, you know, I had to kind of surrender a lot to the to the form, to the tradition, to the way they did things in the monastery, and to kind of give give up the ego resistance because the ego was resisting and and rebellious against it. I had to stop that because the more important than asserting myself, which I found, you know, my efforts at self-assertion and individuality led to despair, even suicidal wishes. But in, um, as I gave up, you know, resisting and uh, criticizing and rebelling, then more and more I, the sense of awareness developed. My, my life wasn't caught up with self-assertion and views and opinions that I have about how things should be or my idealism. I began to just see, you know, like the way it is. This is the way it is here. This is the way they do things. This, in some ways, it made life much more easy because it, when you're always uh, caught in that impression, you have to assert yourself, and that is, it, it makes life very difficult because, uh, you know, there's always me involved in everything, and 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 making sure that I'm asserting myself and getting my way, doing, you know, what I want to do. Where in the monastic form, I had to just go learn to adapt my behavior to the, to the way they do it. And that actually made life easier because my time wasn't caught up, all in, you know, in, in self-assertion. It's actually much more easy to conform, and, and more time then, more opportunity for reflection on the 
Four Noble Truths. So, you know, in see the, the like monastic life with its conformity, its restraints, its boundaries. Actually, it's, it's a simplification. Our life is much more simple than, than they lay people's lives, where, there's, where it's much more complicated. I mean, it, once you, even though the Vinaya does look complicated at first, Remember when I first came across the Pati Moka, I got 227 rules. Well, at least in Christianity, they only had 10 commandments, but here they've got 227 <laughs> rules. And, and then all the other rules in the Vinaya Pitaka that aren't in the Pati Moka seem incredibly complicated and problematical because the ego and the intellect was looking at it in terms of me having to keep rules and learn all these rules and obey rules and and the, so the the way the ego would grasp the vinaya was was made it into a, a very difficult uh, and complex uh, possibility. But in the reality, once you know, it's like learning <coughs> to play the guitar or the piano or something when you first. Start, you know, it looks so complicated. The, you know, pluck the strings in the right place and produce the right sounds, and it seems so hopeless. And after a while, you reach a point where it's, it, you just do it that way. You know, it's spontaneous. So it, it isn't, you don't have to think about which string you're going to pluck and where and when and what key to press and all that. <laughs> Just do it, you know. So that's the way it's done. In order to, once you've gained skill with the instrument, so Vinaya is like that. Is to 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 simplify, and um, and that simplification isn't to be, isn't you know, it's not meant as an end in itself. It's a it's an expedient means so that. Uh, you know, our life is one where we, you know, the monastic form, Buddhist monasticism, is for enlightenment, for seeing things, seeing the truth, for breaking down the delusions, breaking through the illusions, uh, freeing ourselves from avicca. And so that which can know avicca is not avicca. Like for me, when I talk, use this word avicca, it is. You know, it's, a, it's it's not the four noble truths. It's a, I'm suffering. It's because the world has treated me unfairly as the cause of my suffering, and and I don't want to suffer. I it shouldn't be this way. Uh, well, I should be happy. And it's up to the world around me to, to conduct itself in a way to make me feel secure and happy. And, but I don't know how to do that. I've just got to, you know, really look out for myself. You know, I've got to make sure that at least, you know, I've got enough money in the bank and security that I, you know, I don't want to go off to one of those nursing homes when I'm 75, which isn't very far away. <laughs> Or just some old derelict man down under, you know, a charing cross begging, 
You know, it'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? <coughs> Humiliating. I want to make sure I've got lots of money in the bank so that it will last me uh, until I die. And so the avicca, the ego is avicca. You know, attachment to that and avicca, and then the, and so as long as one is operating from the ego, then uh, then the avicca, bhajaya sankara sankara bhajaya vinyanang, and so, <laughs> and the end is suffering. So then. To break through the vicha is through awareness, isn't it? Sati sampatanya. Then it collapses, you know, the, the whole realm of suffering ceases, cessation doesn't arise. So mindfulness then is apamado uh, amatapadang. Heedfulness is the path to the deathless. Mindfulness is the path to the deathless. Apamado amatapadang. Heedlessness is the path to death. So like heedlessness is this, you know, we're dying all the time. We're just this you know, in, in ignorance, in a, with this avicca as, as the propelling force for experience, we're always dying in some way. There's so much despair and anguish and worry. Worry is dying and anxiety and fear and, and all this is, is like in the process of dying is the path to death. Heedlessness, not being attentive, not Developing wisdom, not using wisdom in life, then, then we're in the we're always kind of, you know, the the death uh, is like something lurking around us. Mara, Majurat, the prince of death is haunting our every step. Frightening, ghosts and all the rest, uh, pursuing us out of ignorance. So then the so then there is fear and, and kind of as as a kind of ongoing motivation in in the, the human realm to to run, to try to get, to to find security, find something, find a refuge of some sort, get something, hold on to something. Because not having anything, not holding on to anything not having anything is a, on the ego level is, is total despair, suicidal. It's all worthless, meaningless. It's all dukkha. Life doesn't have any meaning. There's no God. There's nothing soulless. It's just a bad joke. Think I'll kill myself. <laughs> <coughs> So that this is, uh, oh my goodness, 
been going on there. <laughs> so anyway, this hopefully encourages you. <laughs>